Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. excited to share uh, God's word and his message for us communally and for you personally. Uh, my name is Carlo. I'm a student pastor here, and so I take care of all of the teenagers and all of the drama and all of that good stuff. Um, but I, I'm so excited to share with you this morning. And we are in our third week into our series on the book of Ephesians. So we're going to look at chapter three. So if you brought your Bible, uh, whether that be digitally or actual, like a real Bible, <laughs> which I don't have mine on my table right now, so I'm a total hypocrite, so please forgive me. Um, you can turn to chapter three, and we're going to read the book of Ephesians. And today I believe that um, we're going to hear from God through his word. And Paul is the writer of this, this letter, right? and this book. Ephesians that you find in the New Testament is actually a letter written by this guy named Paul who was a follower of Jesus to the Ephesian church. And there's an overwhelming theme throughout every chapter of this book. And it's the word purpose. Say purpose. Purpose. Paul is writing about purpose throughout this book. Today, I actually believe that we can discover collectively our purpose for the church. And I didn't even plan this. I just got, I just like was told to, to preach on Ephesians chapter 3. But we're, we are in a series at youth right now, figuring out who we are as a youth group and who we're going to be and what our purpose is. So if you're taking notes, um, I want you to title this talk this morning for all the people. Can you say for all the people? For all the people. So I just encourage you to take notes. You can take it on your phone. You can you can take it on paper. Or you can even draw it on your arm for all I care. So whatever is going to help you remember. But as you're flipping to Ephesians chapter 3, um, the, the title of this part of, of Paul's message is called God's Marvelous Plan to the Gentiles. So we're going to read from verse 1 to 13. Here we go. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept 
hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was now, through the church, the man of God should be made known to the rulers of the authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Every time I open the Bible, I like to use a study Bible when I'm reading because a lot of times I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying until you say Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, I got that one, but I don't know about a lot of other stuff. So if you don't have a study Bible, go to the Gospel Landos downtown, pick up a study Bible at the bottom. It will tell you all the answers to your confusion. Why am I saying this? I believe that understanding the Bible in context is going to really help you understand it for your life today. So if you crack open the Bible and you just read it and you just take it for what it's, what it's saying and you don't understand the context of Paul writing to a letter to this church, what state they were in, what state he was in, we can actually confuse and misinterpret and misread what God is actually trying to say to us through his word today. So look at the study notes. It's all there for you. You can just be a preacher. I'm just preaching the study notes this morning, right? Let me give you some context. Paul is under house arrest as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. So he's in Rome, and he's in jail, and he writes this letter. So just think about that. When we, what, what, what we just read, Paul is under house arrest, he's in jail, and he's writing this letter of encouragement to the Ephesians. This letter, in comparison to others that Paul wrote, is not particularly about any kind of like heresy or sin in the church. A lot of times when you, when you read uh, the other letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, stuff like that, it talks specifically about sin and heresy that that specific church was dealing with. But this book is a little bit different as it's not really talking about that, but it's actually talking about uh, the, the, the purpose, the church's eternal purpose. From like the day it started in Acts chapter 2 to right now. Paul is writing a letter to the Ephesians and he's writing a letter to us this morning. So we can understand our eternal purpose as a church, who we're supposed to be. Jew and Gentile. So these are words that you're going to hear a lot throughout scripture and especially today. So let's take a moment to clarify the context of these two people groups. Um, because you, if, you, if you read Old Testament and New Testament, you're going to see that a lot. And it can become very um, misunderstanding when, when you're trying to understand the people group of Jew and Gentile in the Bible days. So God used the Israelites as people who would bring Jesus through the world, uh, to the world through the Jewish family line. Right? So it was this way that he could fulfill Old Testament prophecies. I had uh, a friend that was a, a pastor uh, when I was a kid. And he is no longer a, a believer. He, he's an atheist and, and not a pastor anymore. And he struggled with the fact, or not the fact, he struggled with the idea that God was some biased, racist God that only was caring about one type of people group or one type of, of line of family. And he got so caught up in, in misreading the Bible and misinterpreting it and taking it so out of context, it just destroyed his own faith. And it was so sad to hear that even as a kid because I was like, God is not biased. God is not racist. If anything, the gospel is a book to humanity about love, how much God loves us. 
So if you're here this morning, I don't want you to get confused. God is not a biased God who loved one group more than another. He does not love the Jews more than the Gentiles. All right? With all the finished work of Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection, Paul was preaching to all people, both Jew and Gentile and Italian. All right? <laughs> Rome, okay? It's, it's, in, it's in the Bible. There's a book of it. <laughs> this, I didn't even write that in. I tried not to write laugh lines in, but that one was pretty good. <laughs> so this chapter, Paul is writing a letter to the Ephesians that no sin, no heritage, no upbringing, no tradition will exclude you from being a part of God's family anymore. If that's the way that you felt before because you were not part of this group and this type of people over here, no longer is there anything that's going to hold you back from being a part of family because Jesus died, say it with me, for all the people. One more time. Jesus died for all the people. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes, let's just take a moment to pray. Jesus, I thank you this morning that we just have a safe, inviting, comfortable place to come and build community um, and specifically just to grow closer to you, Lord. So, Father, I pray over these next 20, 30 minutes or so that we would be able just to understand our purpose collectively as a church. God, would you speak to us of what specifics we are even supposed to do and who we're supposed to be? God, I pray that we would grow stronger in community here, that we would be more of a family, and that as we leave this place, that our family would continue to grow every single week. God, would you teach us today that the gospel is for all the people. It's not just for us. Church is not a Christian club. Lord, remind us today of that truth. We pray. Amen. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever been picked last in a game or a sport? Pastor Chad, no way. Because you're the best at all sports. I've been there. Not on dodgeball, though. If you know what I'm talking about, students. <laughs> they have bruises for dodgeball. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Getting picked last in a sport is like the worst feeling in the whole world. I want you to picture... Gym class, back in the day at school, or hanging out at the soccer field with your friends, because I'm a talent, so we're playing soccer this morning. You know, we're not talking about Blue Jays, we're not talking about Maple Leafs, we're talking about Roma, all right? The best team in the whole world. Nobody likes soccer in this room, that's okay. You're not gonna change my mind. Yes, we got three. We got three people, that's awesome. You guys are now my favorite people that attend Bethel Church. You're the best. And it would be even better if you liked an Italian team more than a German team. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about that, because Italy didn't even make the World Cup qualify this year, and that's just sad. So don't listen to anything I'm saying about soccer. I don't even know. Anyways, the question of, has anybody, have you ever been in a position where you were picked last for a sport or a game or something like that? It's probably the worst feeling ever. You're standing in this big line of all your friends and your enemies, and you're getting, you're getting picked off one by one, and Joe over here and Bob over here are saying, I'll take you, 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 and then you're sitting there last shivering, trying not to pee your pants, because you, you want to be a part of the game, you want to be a part of the team, you want to be a part of the family. There's no worse feeling getting picked last, because technically, getting picked last is not actually getting picked at all. It's getting put up with, because <laughs> nobody wanted you, right? It's terrible. It is the worst feeling in the whole world. Can I just get a show of hands? Can we be honest? Were you picked last 
in sports class? Jesus loves you. You are part of God's family. It's all good. It's all good. You're not getting picked last here. You're not getting picked last here. Don't worry about it. For ages, it may have seemed that God did not want the Gentiles to be a part of his team. This was a mistake made by religious rulers that led out of context and pride. God's marvelous plan that Paul writes about was that for all the people to be a part of his family. So I'm going to give you a minute and a half, so I don't go over time today. And with the people around you, and maybe you're sitting with your family this morning, I want to ask you the question, what makes a family? So I want you to think of words and characteristics of things that you believe make a family. Like these are like the 10 things that describe what family is. So take the next minute, minute and a half, and I want you to just talk around. You can even move and go and talk to somebody or maybe a family you want to be a part of. So take the next few minutes and talk about what makes a family. What makes a family? Honoring others over yourself, okay? Love. Love. That's what I'm talking about here. Acceptance. Yeah, totally. Community. Getting picked last together. Sad. Sad, sad boy. A couple more, a couple more. Yeah, strengths and weaknesses, totally. Respect, spending time together. You know what? That was a perfect segue. It's my next point. I was waiting for somebody to say that. <laughs> you guys are going to be so annoyed by this because we've talked about it so much. But I'm just going to talk to you again about it again this morning, okay? Hey, how did you know? I want to talk about three things we can learn from this part of the text in, in Ephesians chapter 3. The first thing is this. So if you're taking notes, this is your first point. We are better together. I'm a big believer that we don't understand and believe something until we're tired of hearing it. So, that's, that's for you guys. <laughs> now, I've heard this message a million times. We don't really truly believe something that we hear until we're tired of hearing it. Not in every case. In most of my cases, it's probably what it is. Let me give you an example. I heard, I heard the gospel of Jesus for a long time. And then, it clicked. In McDonald's. When I was like 14 years old. Mixed salvation. <laughs> I don't know if they offer those there anymore. It's going to be a big heart attack. That's really hard. I believe the word together is a great way to explain the characteristic of what makes a family. The word together. Ephesians 3.6 says this, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. When you are reading the Bible and you notice, and I don't notice the first time I read through, but maybe like the second or third time I'm reading a passage, if there is a word or a phrase or a, a theme that continues to be represented throughout that part of Scripture, that is our clue to clue in the, the problem. 
This word together was used three times in one sentence. A few months ago, we went through a series called Royalty. I remember, remember that series, Royalty. It was, it was really powerful. And in this series, we learned about how as a follower of Jesus, we become heirs of God, that we become part of his family. So I want to take a look again and just remind us the definition of this word heirs, to understand the power of the language that Paul is choosing to use as he writes this letter to the Ephesians, to the Gentiles, and to me and you. So on the screen, you're going to see the definition. It says this, a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death. So some synonyms are successor, inheritor, beneficiary. Paul was specifically writing to the Gentiles in this part of the letter, telling them that because of Jesus, because he died on the cross for humanity and sin, and rose from the grave defeating death, everyone now had access to a relationship with the Father. His gospel was for all the people. This gospel still is for all the people. Biblically, the church is not referred to usually as we read scripture in like the past tense. So what Paul's talking about, the church, the church's purpose. It's not referring to just the church that was in Ephesus. Paul's actually writing to us today too. And he's writing that all the people in your life, in your life, in my life, that don't know God, that haven't experienced the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus because of the cross, the resurrection, that this gospel message that he's talking about is for all the people. If it's limited to the butts and seats this morning, we have missed the point. We have missed the mark. The gospel message is for all of humanity. God did not send himself down as a human being to die the most painful, embarrassing, gruesome death that he could have in that day, and probably still today, for like 50% of the world. He's like, ah, if I just have like, just a little more of a chunk of humanity love me again, then that would be awesome. No, he's all in or all out. His character is true. Either loves his creation or he doesn't. The gospel is for all the people. Because of religious law up until Jesus fulfilled it, it can be assumed that Gentiles and others alike today probably have a hard time understanding God's character and nature because of the process of trying to get to know him. For example, sacrifices had to be made to be in a relationship with God, Taxes were supposed to be paid to be in a relationship with God, and a number of other traditions that really don't make a lot of sense. I imagine today, for people that have never been to church or talked to someone who actually really loves Jesus in an authentic way, is probably under the same misunderstanding as the Gentiles in that day. They probably think that they have to do all the right things, say all the right words, pray this many times a day, see a, a certain person, live a certain standard to be in a relationship with God. This message this morning 
is not just for believers in the room. It's for anybody who's searching, that has questions, that has doubts. So I want to remind you this morning that that is not true. The gospel is for all people. And because of Jesus, there is nothing you have to do other than put your faith in him to be in a relationship with God. That's it. You don't have to come and see me if you want to pray. You don't got to do that. Please don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'd love to pray with you. You don't have to pay a tax, although I'll take your money. <laughs> also kidding, kind of. I'm trying to get married, all right? <laughs> Give me a break. Expensive, man. You don't have to make certain, like, sacrifices, all right, to follow God. You just have to believe in Jesus and believe that he died on the cross and rose again. He sets you free from a life of bondage and sin. He gives you purpose. He gives you destiny. For those that are believers in the room, our purpose is to welcome each and every person that walks through these doors and make them feel like family because we're better together. Say better together. You sick of hearing that yes. Yes, now you got it then. <laughs> Good. Bethel Church is and is becoming the hub for those who are searching for something more in this life. For those who have hit rock bottom, for those who are looking to belong, and for those to discover great purpose. I don't know if you've noticed, and I don't really want to bring a lot of attention to this, but it's starting to get hard to find a seat in the church. Which is the best problem that we could ever have. We're becoming a place where people can come and experience the love of Jesus in a new and a fresh way. And I'll tell you this, they're not coming because of like posters out on the lawn or Facebook spam or any of that kind of stuff. They're saying, oh, is there really a God? Is there more to this life? Heard about Bethany. Heard that there are some pretty awesome people there. Maybe I'll go check that out. Bethel Church is and, is and is becoming the hub for those who are searching. So what are we going to do in response? We're going to be the people that get out of our seat and give it to the new person so they don't have to look amongst the crowd and walk in a few minutes late and we already started singing. We're going to give up our seat. We're going to be the kind of people that don't judge a person, person by the past, but actually spur them onto a future, a future with God. So no matter who walks in this building, whatever they look like, whatever they've done, whatever their past is, we are going to show them extraordinary grace that doesn't make any sense. But it actually confuses them. Where they say, why are you not judging me? Do you not know what I've done? Do you not know who I am? Don't care. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. I want to be like Jesus and love you too. We're going to be the kind of people that change the mindset of those who've had a bitter taste in their mouth from pre previous engagement with religion or faith, church, Christians, and the like. 
As we continue to grow deep and wide as a church, I'm not even just talking about numbers and filling the seats and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about as we grow in our relationship with God communally as the church. I want to remind you of something if that makes you a little uneasy because it's going to require some change. It's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require you to probably put down your opinion on certain things. And uh, I, there's a, a pastor that I love to listen to each week. His name is Judas Smith. He also wears tight pants, and he's very handsome as well. Um, <laughs> Judas, Judas Smith, he says this all the time. They, they are a growing church that is, that is planting churches all over the states and stuff like this. And he says this, and I'm like, this would be so amazing to share with Bethel. He says, we are just a small church with a lot of people. So I believe that as we continue to grow, we're going to stay a small church. We're just going to have a lot of people. So if you're scared of growth, if you're scared of two services, if you're scared of not seeing your buddy on Sunday morning like you always do, if you're scared of having to, you know, park a little bit further in the parking lot than you normally do, don't worry. We're not going to... Our plan... I think I can say this for you, Pastor Chad. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It's not that we come this big, crazy, like, mega church. And I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. I think every church serves its purpose in its community. And different expressions of the church is actually a good thing. But we're just going to be a small church with a lot of people. Every year in January, um, POC, PAOC, the denomination that we are affiliated with, puts on this event for pastors called Time Out. And I was hesitant of going to it because I thought I was going to get in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. That was a lame joke. That wasn't as funny as my other joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, I'll just be straight up. That wasn't as funny. So I've gone to this event for two years now. And it's an amazing time where I can hang out with some friends and some other pastors in my area. And it's all over from Western Ontario. And we just get to hang out with each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, bounce ideas off each and every one of us, and um, there's this option that not many people do, but I just take big advantage of it, because I just love sitting down and picking people's brain. Not like physically, but you know what I mean? That would be weird. I'm not going to stick my finger in your ear. No wet willies this morning. But do you know what wet willies is? a thing anymore. <laughs> Why are you talking about wet willies? Preach the word, Carla. <laughs> So there's this option where you can sign up for meetings with some really awesome pastors in our section. And when I was growing up, uh, I lived in Burlington, and when I was a teenager, I was invited to the church called Glad Tidings, and there is a pastor there who's still there today. His name's Kevin Shepard. I don't know if you know him. He's, he's just a really, really awesome guy. And I sat down with him for one hour, and it felt like one year, because he just told me all of these just amazing things. He, taught me so much about what it meant to be a pastor and a shepherd, and not because his last name is Shepherd, but like really what it meant to be a shepherd for people. And I want to make a note here. When you are given the opportunity to meet with somebody for any amount of time that can speak some life and encouragement and even correction into you, you better take it. If you don't have somebody that is consistently pouring into your life, whether that be once a week on a phone call, once a month you go and get coffee with that person, 
you know, whatever it might be, once a year at timeout where you get to hang out and you sign up for a meeting, you gotta take those moments for people to pour into your life because you can only take people as far as you can go. So we're talking about the purple book a lot at church, right? The whole point is that if you don't understand what it means to be a disciple, good luck trying to make disciples. That's what the Purple Book is for. It's a resource for that. To understand who you are as a disciple and then to take somebody along with you. If you want to be the person that's a leader of somebody else, speaking into somebody else's life, you better have somebody doing it for you. Because it's only going to be a amount of time until you don't really have much left to say. And you're just repeating yourself like me. Better together, better together, better together. Just kidding. It's important. Take those moments. So, Pastor Kevin preached this series at his, at his church that he was talking to me about. I was asking him, asking him uh, questions on how to preach series and stuff like that. And he, and he used this example called We Family. And this is a slang term for his church to remember that we are family. And this phrase that his church caught on to now uses it all the time to explain to anyone any reason why they are who they are. And I'm pretty sure he said it's cool if I just steal that idea from this morning. I think. I'm going to do it anyways. I didn't ask him, but I'm pretty sure he said it's cool. Don't listen to this podcast. I'll give you credit. It's all good. Because we family. Say we family. No, like, say it with someone. Like, we family. Yeah, we family. <laughs> we fail. I'm going to read a couple examples here. And when I say because, I want you to say the reason, which is we fail. So when someone is sick and needs some care packages and meals prepared while they recover, we're going to do it because we fail. And when someone in our community has financial troubles and needs a miracle, we are going to raise funds and bless them because and when someone new who isn't a believer walks into our building and is here to explore who God is, we are going to embrace them and treat them like they are already family because we're family. First thing we learned this morning from this text is that we're better together is that God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles, a.k.a. people that are not in a relationship with him yet, would know that they can experience the love of Christ and the love of God through the cross and the resurrection and become part of God's family and part of our family at Bethlehem. I know I was only finished the first point, but that was just a really long one, so don't worry. I'm not going for 40 more minutes, I promise. I got a timer, which youth you know means nothing, but I just put it there to make me feel better. <laughs> Second thing we can learn from this text is there is nothing left in the light. So if you're taking notes, you can text that to yourself or something, say, we are better together, there is nothing left in the way. I want to read a part of Ephesians again. It says in three, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, in him and through him, uh, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I'm going to be real blunt this morning. I'm going to share a story where I stole something. Oh my goodness. Have you ever stole something before? 
Yeah, of course I stole Maddie's heart. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> I can't even take credit for that one. That was good. But honestly, has anybody stole anything? <laughs> I'm right now. I'm just gonna go. Like, I have the car. I came in here. Is even mine? I remember. I remember when I was a kid. My dad would take me to the local Long McQuaid music store. Mm-mm. Let me tell my story. <laughs> and before I was a Christian. I was, I was just stuck in sin, I was stuck in my ways, and uh, I, remember, I remember a time when he took me there, and I came up with this brilliant idea that I was going to steal something to make me something. I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> I wanted to be a musician. I was obsessed with Nirvana. <laughs> I had everything Nirvana. I just wanted to be a rock and roll musician. I just really want to be like John. I, that new guitar man is so awesome. I'm super jealous. I'm gonna steal that. So, uh, we fail. We fail. So we're sharing. What's yours is mine. What's mine is mine. It was one thing growing up playing guitar because my dad played guitar and he taught me the, showed me the ropes, all that kind of stuff. But there's something cool about playing the drums. You know, talking about Sam. Got Mike. Playing the drums is like it's pretty freaking cool. Like <laughs> there's there's not much like being a drummer, and you got that stank face going on. Or play like you're just in the groove. It's, you get to be the loudest guy on the team. There's something awesome about playing the drums. So I was like, I'm gonna be a drum player. I'm done with the guitar. I'm gonna play the drums. So I stole a pair of drumsticks. From the dollar bin, of course. Because I'm not, I'm not that messed up. Right? Yeah, with tax, it was probably around three bucks at that time. Still not okay. I also stole a pack of gum when I was a kid. But more importantly, I stole these drumsticks. The way I did it is I put them half down my pants and the other half up here. So when I was walking, you couldn't even tell. I wish I had an example to show you. But you know what you could tell is when you went to go sit down. And I didn't think about that. I, I successfully somehow got them into my pants and my shirt and walked out of the store with all this confidence. I'm kidding, I was scared out of my mind. I was like, I'm going straight to jail. If anybody notices this little ripple in my shirt because I was a really skinny kid. And I was wearing tight pants back then too. This is not a new thing for me. I was born tight pants on. I'm gonna die with tight pants on, right? But, I sat down in my dad's car as we're ready to leave, and I couldn't do it. And he said, what are you waiting for, son? Get in the car. And I, in that moment, I had to confess, I stole a pair of drumsticks. And as I pulled them out, I pictured in my head what it was going to be like to get go home and get that big wooden spoon off the wall, slapped across my buttocks. I'm kidding. <laughs> my, my dad is really Italian, but he wasn't that Italian. <laughs> I have a scar to show, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In that moment, as a son, I was thinking all of these things that my dad was going to hate me, that he didn't like me anymore, that he was disappointed in me, that he was mad at me, that he was going to freak out, get me with a wooden spoon. It was a, it was a big wooden spoon, okay? <laughs> if there's any Italians in the room, like, you know what I'm talking about. 
It was a big wooden spoon, not the kind that you eat with, just the kind that you hit with. And uh, my dad did the opposite in that moment. He showed me compassion and love. Why do I tell you this story? There's a special moment when you clue in as a child that your father is not some evil ruler who will throw you to the wolves when you make a mistake. Paul made this very clear to the Gentiles in his letter. And us today, that because of Jesus, we can now go to God in freedom from judgment and confidence that he can restore us. I want to read you two scriptures. Romans 8, 1 to 4 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, it was, sorry, let me say that again. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's the beginning of Romans chapter 8, and I want to read you the conclusion of Romans chapter 8. And I encourage you, and we don't have time this morning, but I encourage you to read that today. Romans chapter 8, 31 to 35 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will, bring any who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile can now freely communicate with God. No longer does one have to see uh, someone in a higher religious rank to talk to God, to ask him for forgiveness, to pray, and to even pray boldly with confidence. Today, this still remains true for you and me, church. We can talk to God. There's nothing you have to do, no one you have to see, nothing you have to wait for. Jesus made a way to the Father. If you go look on the wall up there, it says, a bridge to life in Christ. Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. We're better together. There is nothing that's in the way. My last point this morning of what we learned from Paul's letter is love everybody. We have a bad reputation for this. Our entire faith is based upon this word. Got to do a better job at it. This first half of the chapter, we've been learning from this morning. To sorry, let me read that again. The first half of this chapter, we have been learning from this morning. It's just specifically written to Gentile people, but there's a second half. So we've read the first half of the chapter, and I want to read you the second half in a moment. Paul writes a prayer of who God desires His church to be and what to do. So if you have ever wondered about calling purpose, or destiny, or who you are supposed to be and what God's plan is for your life, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you it right now. I've been waiting for this moment for years. It's right here. Prayer for the Ephesians and for Bethel Stratford. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is, and to know that this love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Textually, this prayer that Paul writes to the Ephesians and to us today is broken down into three parts. And I think that's a good way for us to understand it. First, Paul prays that the church would be strengthened by God through the Holy Spirit. Here's what that means. To love another that is selfless is a result of the Holy Spirit working in us. It's not on our own strength. I don't know about you, but I, on my own strength, have a hard time loving people that I don't want to love. It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit in me, me spending time with the Holy Spirit, that will produce fruit like joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and love. I, I think I got them all. Good, good job, Pastor. Second is this, Paul prays that we as the church would be rooted and established in this love. Here's what that means. Love is the foundation of our faith. Everything needs to flow from it, and everything needs to flow through it. Every decision, every conversation, everything that we put our mind to, everything in our life needs to flow through those four letters. Love. Our faith, our life, our relationship with God is all based on love. And third, Paul concludes his prayer for Jesus to be glorified throughout all generations, meaning that the love of God is for all people. Say, for all the people. So as I conclude this morning, I didn't know how I was going to add this in, but Paul did a good job for me, so I didn't have to do that much work. Today is something we call Coffee Cup Sunday. I don't even like coffee, but I like Coffee Cup Sunday. <laughs> and you may be wondering what that is. Right after this service, students up here and the ones throughout the sanctuary, they're going to be out in the lobby and in the parking lot, and they'll be holding a coffee cup. And why we're doing this is actually to raise funds and to receive donations to help send our youth group, our students, to an event that we, that we attend called Overflow in May. This really speaks to me, this event, because if I didn't have a family that sponsored me to go to Overflow, I don't think I'd be here right now. I went to Overflow for five years because of the next year of high school. Don't do it, don't do it, just do four. Every year, I never paid the full price. I paid a little bit, and I had a family in the church that would sponsor me anonymously. 
And I became a youth pastor, so I can keep going to overflow. <laughs> I say that as a joke, and I say that as truth, because I know how much it changed my life. So I wanted to invest in students in the same way. So what I'm asking you this morning is that you would take a moment to think and pray and ask God, how much, how much should I invest? How much should I donate? How much should I give this morning? Uh, I just want to remind you, if you didn't come prepared for that, that's okay. You can give it up until the day we leave. <laughs> Seriously, just pop by the office, call, call the office and let us know, hey, I couldn't make it on Sunday, but I'd like to donate to an uh, overflow event. How can I do that? We have a debit machine where we can do that this morning. You can do it by check. You can do it by just a loose change. Whatever your heart desires. Just kidding. Whatever God desires for you to give this morning. So I'm going to release the students just real quick. And you guys can get ready with the coffee cups. Gloria has a, a bunch more. So if you didn't receive any, um, you can see Gloria on the way out. And they'll be in the lobby and in the parking lot collecting some loose change and some big checks. And... Uh, I want, to, I want to remind you that the gospel is for all the people, including these people, and including the ones that are not here this morning, that attend our youth group, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, but they're signed up to go to overflow, but they don't have any money to get there. That's what this is for. The cost of overflow event is abnormally expensive. It makes me cringe a little bit. But it's just the way it is. So this morning, we're going to give and we're going to invest in this generation because they're part of all the people. Before we do, before I dismiss you, I want you to check out a quick video on what Overflow is all about this year. So that gives you a little, uh, little clue about what Overflow is all about this year. It's about empowering students. It's about sharing the gospel with the young people across all of Western Ontario. I want to remind you of what we talked about this morning. We talked about a lot of stuff. Ephesians chapter 3 is a message to both people who are not in a relationship with God and people that are. It's about how the church is supposed to be better together. That we family. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. No tradition, no religious aspect, no specific person. Jesus is the way to the Father. He tore the veil. We sang about it last Sunday, last Friday. There's nothing that separates us from the love of God. And our purpose as a church is to love everybody. We are called to love. Give it a try. Give it a shot. So I'm done. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Let's take a moment to pray. And then uh, we'll head out. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. For your love for us that never fails us, that is never changing, that set us free. And God, I thank you for your word, that it's holy, 
It is not a history textbook, but it is a living word that is speaking to us today, even in this moment. So God, as we, as we read about a letter that was written to a church, Father, will we receive that letter to our church this morning? That we will include every single person that walks in this door, no matter their lifestyle, their choices, their opinions on anything. God, that we would meet them where they are with love. Because we family. We're part of your family, God. God, I pray that we realize if we're not in a relationship with you this morning, that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. All we have to do is receive it because it's a gift. Jesus, will we be more like you today? Will we be more like you? Learning how to love people just as they are, just like you do. We do this every week with your eyes closed and heads bowed. I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room because I always want to make the opportunity. If you are not in a relationship with God and you want to make that decision this morning, there's nobody looking around, I just want you to quickly just pop up your hand and put it right back down. And I would just love to pray for you this morning. And if you're in the room and you feel like you need to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, and you know, because you were reminded that there's nothing that can separate you from his love, I want to take a moment to pray for you. So if you relate to either of those things, would you just slip up a hand real quick? Awesome. Anybody else? You want to start a relationship with God? Or you want to rededicate your life to God this morning? So Jesus, I pray. I pray for each and every person that raised their hand. That Lord, they would know they are so loved by you. I'm just going to ask us just as a church to repeat after this prayer. Father, would you forgive us for our sin? We thank you for the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Would you restore us this morning? Would you reveal the purpose you've placed on us? Which is to love and to welcome each and every person. Because the gospel is for all the people. blessed you and encourage you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.